Hello, I'm Dennis Smith, and you're listening to Queer and It's Working. Queer and It's Working is a weekly podcast series that interviews people from the LGBTQ community who have found joy in their work. Every week, I'll speak with a relatable role model and ask them about their career and the joy and sense of identity they get from their job. Hopefully, it may inspire you that there are a multitude of careers available to queer people and that you're not alone in figuring out what you should do in life. Hi, I'm Dennis and welcome to this week's episode of Queer and It's Working. Today, my guest and relatable queer role model is Caden. Hi, Caden. Hi there. Caden, uh, what is your job? I know it's a little bit difficult for you to explain because you do a lot yeah. of things, but. Yeah. So, my official full time job is um, I'm called a prevention team advocate for my county domestic violence center. What do you do? Yeah, so um, with the County Domestic Violence Center, you know, most services are going to be supporting survivors of violence, giving them case management, support groups, the emergency shelter if necessary. But my particular job, I think it's the one true fun job in the agency. I'm supposed to be out and about in the community teaching specifically young people about um, teen dating violence, healthy relationships, red flags and warning signs. And then if I'm not working directly with youth, I'm training people who work with youth about teen dating violence, healthy relationships, red flags and warning signs. Um, and then others just like violence prevention curriculum. So do you go to schools or where do you go to meet these people? When we are not in a global pandemic, yes, I'm supposed to be in schools. Um, I started this job four months before the pandemic started. So most of my work has been on Zoom, like streaming into classrooms or training teachers uh, virtually. Mm. But as of the past month, I actually have been back in schools. Um, We'll go into high schools and do rounds. So like visit for a class period once a week for eight five to eight weeks or we'll just go in and do one 45 minute presentation for a class but we also go to like community partners and a lot of universities and sororities and fraternities as well will request for us to come out and give a presentation sometimes we can have the 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 one full-time job but you obviously have a few other things that you do that really give you meaning and joy can you yeah yeah so i'm currently working on my master's of social work um and a part of that is an internship that's required to graduate and i'm currently interning at a black and queer owned mental health center and so i'm starting to see my own clients providing therapy services i'm going to start running a parenting class pretty soon and then I'm also the vice president of the Tampa Bay International Gay and Lesbian Film Festival here in the area. Mm-hmm. But can you explain to me how you get uh, fulfillment from your job? What's the joy you get from it? Yeah. yeah, the the joy, I think, at the end of the day is knowing that I am helping others or, you know, bringing them peace or happiness and then sometimes um before you had started recording i had mentioned moments where i do get to be explicitly queer um you know i go out of my weird way to queer code with my clothing or like a specific wristband or something and seeing other queer people or specifically young ones in the schools see me be so visible and be myself 
whether they figure out that I'm trans or not, like they definitely know I'm some type of LGBTQIA plus and they know that I'm a safe person and they can see that representation. And I think, you know, that's why I'm a part of the film festival as well. Like I, I can argue, like they're not gonna like that I say this, but I am not 100% invested in films as much as I am the representation and the, um, the experience that people get to see their lives being played on screen, you know, not just this typical straight romanticized idea that doesn't necessarily convey or explain or even show what they might experience as queer people. So that's why the film festival is important to me. But in terms of my other daily work, it is, you know, changing the world one step at a time. And I sound like silly. I feel silly saying that, but I, I've seen it. Like people have reached out to me and said, oh my God, thank you so much. Like you really helped me. You've really, you know, assisted me with X, Y, or Z. And so. Can you tell me uh, how did you get to your position now? Like what are some yeah. of the steps you took? Yeah. So I actually went to college here in Tampa to be an animator for Pixar. That was my goal in high school. That was my goal in college. I went through junior, I got through junior year of college um, with a, uh, I finished college with an undergraduate degree in fine art with a specialty in digital art and graphic design. Um, but during my time in college, I found queerness and I found the queer community. Um, I came out as bi in high school and used college as a way to run away. I grew up in Texas. I was raised in Texas. And so I came out to Florida to get as far away from my family as possible. And it was probably the best possible thing for me because Tampa is such an openly queer and safe city. Um, Tampa and St. Pete they're they're so gay and it's it's just amazing like it's it feels it feels like home for me but safer um and so when i Mm. found the queer community i got involved in the lgbtq plus organization on campus first year i was just attending getting to know people second year i was already in leadership by senior year i was president um i rebranded the organization um increased attendance realized that this was something i was really good at and something that i enjoyed doing and so i used that experience to network myself into social work um i was able um about five months out of college to land a job at the local um lgbtq plus nonprofit running their support groups for youth and trans kids um and i was there for a little while but it's not always the healthiest place to work. Um, I've heard that from many other people, not just myself. So um, I left the agency, ended up in child welfare for a bit. Um, So the foster care system, transporting young people to their visitations to see their parents and then back home to their foster parents. That was my role for about a year and a half. And then I made a new friend. When I had left that LGBTQ plus organization, I felt disconnected from the community. I kind of took a step back while I was in foster care. I didn't work in the community. I didn't really talk to anyone. And my best friend, Marissa, saw that that was hurting me and that it was not good and that she wanted to get me back involved. And so she brought me to an LGBTQ plus roundtable meeting, which is a volunteer organization at the Domestic Violence Center that functions both as an internal check for the agency to make sure we are as inclusive as possible for queer survivors, but also a bridge to the queer community itself to get the community talking about intimate partner violence and then also connecting those survivors to an inclusive network of resources. So I attended that meeting and met the facilitator who was in the position that I have now, and she and I and Marissa we're all best friends now. Like it was just instant, like romantic queer love, essentially. Like it wasn't a relationship, but it was just like that connection, that safe space. And it's it's been a beautiful relationship. We've known each other all for three, well, it's been a, like a little group for three years. We know I'll share a little friend group, but this person, Mel, 
she realized that I was unhappy and she was about to leave this position and told me to go for her job. She was like, I think you would be great at this. It, it's exactly what you want to do. And it took, it took some convincing. It truly did. I was comfortable in my foster care position. I was making decent money, relatively speaking, in social work. Um, but I, I eventually applied and I, and I got the job and it's been, it's been incredible. It's been one of the best things for me. I not only get to work with my best friends now, um, but I know that I'm doing really good work and I'm having a lot of fun. And I'm now leading that volunteer group as part of my job as well so fantastic it, it kind of sounds like to me that you you knew that you wanted to do something within the community within social work helping people but for you to really 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 love it and enjoy it you had to have surroundings you had to have an environment around you with people that you work with that kind of give you a sense of security queer love or, you know, uh, maybe some fun too, you know, yeah. some fun injected into this job, because I'm sure you don't, people that you have to speak with and deal with, especially if you're talking about people who experience violence, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound very fun, you know? <laughs> so was, was that kind of your avenue then too? I have to get to a place where I can, my coworkers and yeah. the people I have around me are just as important as what I do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very important. But to your your point, I think um, I have ADHD. And so if I'm doing something, I have to like it. I have to like it or else I will not do it. Um, I'm really struggling mm-hmm. being in, in grad school right now because I don't like doing homework and I'll do it, but I'll wait till the last possible minute to turn in my assignments because I don't want to do it. And so for me to have a job, I have to like it to get up and to want to go. And I think I think that's my motivation at the end of the day. And it, it helps to be in a safe working environment that you not only like, but people support you and value you at the end of the day. That's that's helpful. <laughs> Is there well? I feel almost a little bit embarrassed asking you this because you have quite a you have quite the arsenal of the <laughs> things that you do and the skills and everything. But is there something uh, career-wise that you're still to achieve that you hope to achieve? Yes, actually, the reason I'm getting my master's is because I intend to open the first LGBTQ plus homeless shelter in Tampa Bay. When I was working at the um, the queer nonprofit early on, that I identified that pretty quickly as a need that's not being fulfilled by any agencies. I think actually there was one out here that I interviewed to work for them at one point, and they they said that they were having a lot of issues because they didn't have queer staff running the queer place, and it just wasn't working. <laughs> and they were like, "Do you have experience in working with gay people?" And I was like, yes, I am one. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you not hire more of these to work with other gay people? That was the whole thing. Um, I ended up not working there. And I think that they've been either, I don't think shut down, but I think they dissolved it as a unique queer shelter. Um, And so it's definitely still in need out here. Like there was one time, when I was working at the LGBTQ plus nonprofit, I was getting calls from young people. And I remember specifically one young trans man who was about to be kicked out by his mother. And he was like, I just need somewhere to go. I've got three months left of high school and I just need a roof over my head to finish. Like, I just want to finish high school. And so I was calling around. I was looking for homeless shelters, youth homeless shelters. And I was like, Mm -hmm. listen, I've got this trans, this trans kid. He needs a place to go. And there was this brand new homeless shelter that had just opened up like two Two months before and you know 40 percent 40 percent of homeless youth are queer and so in my head i don't know how you can open a homeless shelter without knowing where to put the queer kids but when i called them they said i wouldn't know where to put this person i'm sorry we can't house them uh, and so i didn't have a place to put this kid and so 
that's where I really, I think truly it motivated me and has been my motivator from now for, for five years to open my own shelter because those, those kids need a place to go. God, do you know what? I, I don't know if I'm a little bit kind of, I love a sheltered kind of existence or if it's because you actually work in this mm-hmm. that you kind of deal with it every day, but it seems like the work gets kind of inside you then and it must be like, okay, I have to kind of do something different because it seems like the the people that are making laws or you know that are in charge, they're not really doing enough. And if they're if they're coming up with the well, if we're able to present them the statistics and they're still not doing something. It's it's tough. It's tough, um, especially yeah. over the past few years. I've seen a lot of a lot of queer activists, a lot of queer workers experience burnout. I'm seeing a lot, especially. I don't know if you've heard about the "Don't Say Gay" bill in Florida um, that just my passed. boyfriend just told me about it earlier. I didn't even know this. I think yeah. it's so embarrassing. So, but please no, you're tell fine. me about it. So it's actually a very vague bill um, that says for youth zero to, I think, third grade, you're not allowed to talk about sexual orientation or gender identity because it's viewed as like indoctrination. Um, but when you look at the view, the bill itself, it's very, very vague and it's very clearly unconstitutional. Um, the ACLU and also Equality Florida, um, which are two like democratic, essentially human rights organizations have already sued it. So I don't think it's a bill that's going to stand too long. But what's happening is the not the bill itself is necessarily harmful, but the effects of how people are interpreting the bill is what's harmful at okay. the end of the day. So like... I can't have a curriculum about sex and gender, but that could also mean little Timmy, who has two gay dads, can't bring his photo of his two gay dads to show and tell because that's talking about sex and gender. That's where it gets blurry with the bill being so vague. Um, And it's shit like that, excuse my language, of why so many queer people I think are burning out. I don't want to say they're giving up. I think that a lot of them are leaving the extremely unsafe areas such as Florida to do work elsewhere where there's less barriers and they're seeing a little bit more positivity. But it it can be hard. Um, I think I've realized over the past few months I'm more of an optimist than I thought I would be in in life given all of the things that I've gone through. Um, But when I've been asked about this bill I'm like it's actually as much as it feels like two steps backwards I see it as a step forward because again it's not constitutional and once it's struck down we're going to have more rights at the end of the day Um, there is harm obviously happening around it and outside of it but legally at a legal level when all of this is over people I I truly believe we will have more rights Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful and able to stay optimistic and stay driven in this work knowing that I think to really kind of enjoy your work, there has to be um, times of uh, recovery and relaxing and stuff like that, because obviously then you get burnout, like you say. Yes. I wonder, what, what, what do you do to relax, have fun? Oh, that's a hard one for me with everything going on right now. I, I work like 60 hours a week plus homework. Oh, God. Um, so I think it comes down to just spending time with good friends, you know, and... and if. Uh, if you're doing 60 hours a week, it seems like it's almost a bit impossible to have maybe a personal life, to, yeah. you know, date, have a partner. Are you not? <laughs> no, not at the moment. Um, before I had started grad school, I was with someone, um, but they were abusive, ironically, even though I was working at the center. Jesus. Actually, it took me working at the center to figure out that's what the identity yeah. was. And... I had actually not been single like for longer than a month since like from like 20 
this is embarrassing to say, but like from 2013 to 2020, I had not been single for more than like a month. And so with this last relationship, and I think it was like three or four long-term relationships in that time period. So with this last one, I kind of realized, you know what, who is Caden by themselves? You know, especially like I hadn't transitioned yet. I haven't been single as Caden yet. So I'm taking this time to one, focus on school and work, get get my things done. But also I'm almost kind of, I guess, dating myself, figuring out who I am. What do I enjoy? What am I like without taking care of someone else? I'm definitely starting to get into that space of wanting to date. I think about the apps and then sometimes I'm on them, um, but then I realize I don't have the time or the financial ability to really fully invest in it. I believe I believe you when you say that. Really, I believe you when you say that. But I do doubt you a little bit whenever you say you work sixty hour a week. So how how are you dating Caden if Caden's always so fucking busy? That's valid. That's a. I appreciate you calling me out like that. Um, so luckily, my internship it's it's a blessed placement. It's it's an anti-oppressive holistic mental health center that's run. Uh-huh. It's very small. There's only two employees, and they're both people of color. Um, and and so most of my internship is focusing on burnout prevention and self-care. So like mm-hmm. my internship hours that I got to document this week, I spent out of my 15 hours that I'm supposed to do out of internship, I spent two of them working on a Star Wars spaceship. It was like a model paper one. <laughs> and so that's, that's so me. Cute. That was a date for myself. <laughs> Like I, I didn't have my phone. I didn't have TV. I was playing music and I was working on this stupid spaceship. It's taken me six hours. And I think I've got like two hours left still with it. Okay. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes That's I'll go so to the cute. beach. I'll just lay in the sun. I'll journal. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, in a Catholic religious household. Um, I am of Mexican descent, but I'm very white passing. And so we lived in a white suburb uh, the second half of my life. And uh, up until I think I was 10, we were very low income, unsure where food was going to come from. Didn't see my parents often because I was in daycare because they were working two jobs and stuff like that. Um, But I have a brother who is eight years younger than me. And around the time that he was born, my dad landed like the the job that really kind of changed our lives. He made it essentially. And so, but like from my experience and my trainings in school, reflecting on my childhood, uh, my parents have now divorced as of two years ago. He is a diagnosed narcissist and a little bit abusive. And so with my identity and stuff, it was hard is essentially is what I want to get at. Like being raised Catholic, I wasn't allowed to date my first girlfriend. Um, There was a point in time for like three months that we were only communicating to each other via written letters, handwritten letters that were passed to each other through her best friend Um, because we grew up in religious Catholic Texas, you know? And so it was that, but there were also some like really, really good moments. Like I've got this group of five friends from high school that I still talk to. I'm going to one of their weddings in September. So it was, it was a mixed bag. It's definitely a unique experience, but I think a lot of it has projected me forward into why I want to do and why I'm doing the work I'm, I'm doing now. I think it set a lot of the foundation. My mom is a social worker as well. And she and I are, are good friends and, and get along really well. So. And w- when did you realize you were different? 
So I figured out that I was bi, uh, I think like freshman year of high school, freshman or sophomore year. And actually I joined the softball team to get a girl's attention without knowing the lesbian stereotype. <laughs> I had no idea that, that lesbians did played you? softball. Did you get? I did not get her, but I got another one. The one that was passing. Whoa. <laughs> So I did, I did fit that stereotype. Um, and then. No, um, first the worst, second the best. That's the good one. Uh, yeah, truly, truly. I actually, that one, it was probably better, uh, worked out better there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then when I went to college, I shifted more into being like a butch lesbian. I was presenting a lot more masculine. And then when I was involved in that queer organization, I was learning about transness and trans identity and like that it was an option because these kinds of conversation, that knowledge was not something I ever received. Like I didn't know it existed. I, I knew the concept. Like I actually, I remember seeing, um, it was like an El Camino, those cars that are like sedans, but they have a truck bed. I don't know if you've ever seen those, if they have those over there. No. I <laughs> okay, we well, were talking about it today. I think the only cars that came over to Europe are really like Fords and maybe Chevrolet. Okay. That's okay. Well, there's cars here that are like four-door sedans, but they're two-door. And instead of a back seat, there's a truck bed. And I, rem- I have this oh. specific memory of calling that a transvestite car to my parents. Like, a, sorry if that triggered someone, I, I should have given a content warning, but like, I have a specific memory of using that phrase, but it wasn't out of malice. It wasn't out of harm. It was like, that's a half and half car. So that was my knowledge yes. of like what being trans or transvestite was. That was it. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to the community, when I got to college, learning about it, experiencing it, I realized that I was trans because I went to a leadership conference on diversity. Um, So it was different programming and curriculum about how to have tough, safe conversations around intersectionality. So like um, someone's disability, someone's income, their sexual orientation, their race, their gender, having conversations around that for positive community growth and healing. And so when we got to the gender topic, the activity that we did, they, they split up the room. And they said, this wall is male and this wall is female. Everyone place yourself on this scale. Go stand in the room where your identity mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And me and this other human had like a mental break in the middle of the room. Like we kind of processed like, holy crap, I don't belong on either side. Um, I shifted a little bit more on the masculine end. At this point, I had short hair, but I was still presenting as a woman. How old were you? I was 20. 20 okay 20 um 20 when i think i finally accepted that i was some kind of trans i started to talk to my friends on campus about it and then two weeks after i turned 21 i woke up one morning and i was like i want to try going by caden and so that day i told everyone it was my first day on the job as being a resident assistant on campus everyone was like okay you're caden let's do it um and i just stayed caden and i'm caden yeah how did you get um the name Caden, because it, in a way, there's there's a renaissance going on inside you. There's kind of, you know, discovering something about yourself. Do you take out the baby book and be like, <laughs> you know, because no, there actually, is the, I think there is something in that, you know, whenever you start to take care of yourself, you become the parent to yourself, don't you? Yeah. You, yeah. So I, I hope I don't sound offensive saying that, but, you know. No. No, no, I, I see. I see what you're getting at. There, and I can definitely agree to it to an extent. I think it's different for everyone. Uh, my roommate and I were talking about this earlier this morning. And for me, Caden was actually a name that I always used for like my online 
accounts or video game accounts, you know? Okay. And so Caden was always someone that was there. It was who I was presenting as in a digital world. And so mm. it just made sense to me. Like, I think this is who I was trying to portray to be the whole time anyways. I don't think that's something I realized when I was doing that as a young child, but I just kind of knew that morning when I woke up, I was like, no, it's, it's, it's Caden. And I've kind of always known, I guess. A lot of people, when they ask me about my childhood or who I was back then, when I was that person and I, people would ask me about my future or what my goals were, I would see myself mm. making it to 21. And then after that, it's black. I could not see any goals, any future, any dreams. Yeah. And I find it super interesting that I became Caden two weeks after I turned 21. And I can see a future. I can see goals. I have these hopes. I can visualize what I want to go after. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me. And um the podcast is mostly about, you know, relatable role models. I wonder, did you have a role model growing up? A queer one? No, that wasn't something that I had. This is all new for me. And I think that's also part of what projects me forward. I want to be that role model for, for young queer people because mm -hmm. I was really frustrated looking back at how I didn't have that. Like I could have found Caden so much sooner. That would have been nice. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as someone to look up to and someone who I did revere, I have to say my mom. Um, she's a really strong person. Like I said, she's a social worker. She just got her master's degree in social work two years ago. And so she's always been someone I can go to to have a conversation with. Not always. When I first came out, like I said, she was Catholic. So it was a little rough there for like five years. We didn't really talk, but we've been rebuilding that relationship. And I think she's always been someone that I've been proud of and wanted to be like. Have you struggled with your mental health, you know, with with your journey to becoming who you are, as long as, you know, facing boundaries within your Catholic upbringing and then this really stressful job is really rewarding. But I will, <laughs> you know, stress, stressful job, you know, like how how, how do you deal with it? How, how do you make sure that you're mentally healthy or maybe yeah. I'm projecting again <laughs> um so growing up I definitely struggled with anxiety and depression um before I found Caden um suicidal depressive episodes really reckless with my life didn't really care again didn't see a future right and so if I didn't see a future why would I care about what really happened to me that was where my mindset was especially with like the abuse growing up um, dealing with my identity, things like that. It was it was a rough place. I, I will say that I attempted a couple of times um, to end things. Mm -hmm. I tried different medications, was also diagnosed with ADHD, um, don't like any of the medications, didn't like it. And then actually the American healthcare system, it's just not setting up for people, not setting up people for success when it comes to like accessibility, affordability. And so just had a lot of issues trying to manage it. Um, but when I started testosterone, started medically transitioning, I'm not going to say that it cured my depression. Um, there's definitely still remnants. There's definitely stuff still there, um, but it's not nearly as heavy and not as difficult to manage as well. I think I'd say for a year or two, it wasn't around at all after I started testosterone. Um, and so I think a lot of it is hormone-based, to be honest, having my hormones mm -hmm. at the right level is really, really helpful for my mental health. Um, and then managing my anxiety um, and ADHD now, I am in therapy in addition to all the other things I do. I, have, I see a therapist twice a week. I have seen her for three years now, and I've been in therapy semi-regularly since I was 16, although the first therapist was a conversion therapist. So it's been, oh, no. it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting like dynamic and growth, but I see the benefit of 
with therapy, obviously, like I'm going to be a therapist. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. If, if it's used properly and then friends and family, you know, leaning on them, my chosen family, chosen family out here. Like I, I live in Tampa by myself. I don't have any blood family out here in Florida. And so I've mm-hmm. chosen my own family community that I spend holidays and people with things like that with. Well, we've come to our final question. I ask everyone the same thing. What tips or advice would you have for someone listening that wants to get into the same career path or job as you? It's networking. It doesn't necessarily have to be the skill, although the skill helps. Like if these things come naturally to you for sure, but it's just a matter of being able to learn. And if you can learn, then you can do anything. But to get into the fields that you want to get into, it's it's being a personal person and, and getting to know other people in that field and showing them that you are capable and you can learn. Because I don't have a degree in what I'm doing at all. Like I, on paper, am unqualified for these things. But the people that I have associated with with. Um, I go out of my way to introduce myself to people, um, to talk to an executive director, to a school board member, make new friends in different fields and areas that I'm interested in. That's how I've gotten to this work. And I also listen to them and I learn from them as well. Truly. Thank you, Kaden. Of course. Thank you for having me. We've got major celebs coming out as queer and they're being accepted like little Nas, people like them, but yeah, they have the money and the fame, right? And so exactly. see- it, there's there's not that relatability there, you know. You're never yeah. I'm I, I hate to tell you, Caden, you're never gonna be called Lil Caden X just from doing <laughs> social work. It's not gonna happen. You're not invited to the Grammys for doing social work, darling. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. That might be a goal of mine now, just to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah. and do you know what? I think you could probably do it. And it'll just mean that you're doing 70 hour weeks now instead. <laughs> oh, God, love you. <laughs> I think amazing. as far as like your, what does it look like to look up to someone like that? I know almost exactly what you mean, um, because I find it interesting that you asked me to do this podcast. And then I think it was last week. I did an intake for my job and it was with a young person who was a young trans man. And so I made sure to look like extra gay that day. And I had um, extra rainbows and stuff on my wrist. And like my, my pants were rolled up a certain way. Like I queer coded myself essentially so that when I walked in the lobby, the kid would know. And that's exactly what happened. Like that, the way the eyes lit up and like, they saw almost like hope for a second there. I think like this work you're doing the podcast is exactly what more people like that young person needs like seeing that or hearing mm. about it at least yeah yeah yeah, definitely well that's lovely it's probably one of like the biggest reasons I love my job is is, is for those queer kids that I see